What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Week 9 edition of the Weekly Cheese. So much to get into this week as the Packers, they took on the Kansas City Chiefs on the road. The Chiefs were struggling and the Packers were red hot, but unfortunately, they were without their leader, Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love made his first career start, the first real action of the young quarterback's career. How did he fare? How did the defense fare against a high-octane Kansas City offense? A lot to cover. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekly Cheese. Super Bowl! 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 What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese. I'm your host, Joe Ivan. and Let's just get right into it. There's a lot to talk about regarding this past weekend's game against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Packers, they lost 13-7. to uh, The defense played their asses off, shut down one of the NFL's most potent offenses, but unfortunately... It wasn't enough to leave with a victory thanks to a very disappointing day from both the Packers offense and the Packers special teams. Not a good day for the special teams and not the best day for the offense. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers couldn't play due to the fact he tested positive for COVID. Blah, blah, blah. Everything that happened last week, no need to rehash it. We're moving forward. But Aaron Rodgers was unable to be part of the game. He was at home watching on his TV just like us, and it was up to Jordan Love to get the job done in his first career start and extend the Packers' winning streak to eight games over a very good Chiefs team. It was a legit football game for Jordan Love's first matchup. He didn't get the luxury of matching up against the Lions like Matt Flynn did back in the day in one of his starts. He, no, he was thrown right into the fire in a game against a struggling Chiefs team that was hungry to get their season back on track as the Packers were red hot and in a nice rhythm with Aaron under center. Uh, the Chiefs absolutely shut down Jordan Love and the Packers offense. Um, they, the Packers offense did drive, particularly in the second half, a couple times, but an interception here, just some bl- bad play calling there. One thing led to another. The Packers just could not put points on the board all game long. Uh, even when it looked like they were about to put some points on the board, something would happen, yada, yada, yada. Punt, interception, just was not the best game from the Packers offense. And it really was due to the fact that the Chiefs blitzed nonstop. I believe they blitzed over 20 times, and Jordan Love had a very difficult time handling the pressure. Uh, He was only sacked one time, but he was hit seven times, and he was pressured a total of 28 times on the day. Uh, The offensive line simply did not come to play, particularly Lucas Patrick and Royce Newman. Uh, Frank Clark and Chris Jones absolutely just had their way on the inside there. Elton Jenkins, John Runyon, and Billy Turner, they all graded out well, and they did a solid job in both the pass and the run. But Lucas Patrick gave up three pressures, and 
Royce Newman easily had his worst game of the season. He was horrible in pass protection the entire game. He, he just seemed to be discombobulated and overwhelmed with the speed and physicality of the Chiefs defensive front that came ready to play. They've heard the chirps all season long that they suck as a defense, and Chris Jones took it upon himself as along with Frank Clark to dominate the young and inexperienced Packers offensive line, the interior of that offensive line. Uh, Royce Newman allowed six pressures. He had two penalties. One of his penalties negated a huge Aaron Jones run. It was a tough day for Newman. Uh, he was constantly seen just getting blown by, turning around, looking confused. I mean, there was a, several plays on the day where guys were just running through the gap untouched, absolutely untouched. And Jordan Love just could not get comfortable, could not find a rhythm, and struggled in his first career start with the pressure. He simply didn't play well. 190 yards, 19 for 34, a touchdown, an interception, a 69.5 passer rating. Um, like I've said, he was pressured heavily, which is tough for any quarterback to deal with. Every single quarterback in the league plays worse under pressure let alone in their first career start after not playing a real game of football in almost two years, if not longer than two years. But even when having a clean pocket, Jordan Love really didn't look great. He never wowed. There was not one wow moment except for when he evaded a pressure and somehow got the ball to Mercedes Lewis for a gain of, what, two? It was just a crazy play, and that was a wow play, but only because it probably should have resulted in a turnover of sorts. After the game, Matt LaFleur took practically all the blame for the offensive struggles. He admitted that he could have done a better job at calling plays and helping Jordan Love deal with the pressure. Uh, and in my opinion, it was a humble and honest critique of himself. Uh, Matt LaFleur is always straight up with the media in terms of critiquing himself. He always takes blame, he looks in the mirror, and he obviously has no issue admitting when he messed up and needs to do better, especially considering the fact that Jordan Love was so obviously having a hard time detecting where the pressure was coming from and adjusting the line accordingly pre-snap. That's something Aaron Rodgers does maybe better than anyone ever, but Jordan Love was having a hard time. It was obvious. And what do you expect? It's his first career start. His only NFL experience up until this point comes in the preseason where there's absolutely no fancy blitzes coming out of anyone. I mean, no teams don't show anything in the preseason. And then at the in the fourth quarter of week one where, again, garbage time, teams weren't it, – it wasn't real football. This was real primetime football, and the Chiefs obviously had a plan to attack Jordan Love ruthlessly, and they succeeded in that plan. But – since it was so obvious that Jordan Love was having these issues and he and he couldn't beat the blitz with his pre-snap adjustments, Coach LaFleur could have done a whole hell of a lot more to help Jordan Love out. I mean, it would have been nice to see LaFleur call a more run-heavy offense and, and get the ball out quick with a three-step drop. I mean, it seems as if Jordan Love was taking a five-step drop nearly every single time 
he got the ball snapped to him. And on top of that, his strides, I don't know if it was just because the blitz was so insane and he was so under pressure, but his stride, it looked like he was taking seven steps backwards. It was just madness what was going on out there. It would have been nice to see LaFleur throw something in there that was just a quick hitter for four yards, three yards, and just get the ball moving to beat the blitz or attack the Chiefs with a with a run-heavy approach. I mean, the Packers, they didn't run the ball nearly enough. They only ran the ball 20 times with their running backs. Jordan Love had five carries, but he was just running for his life at that point. And when the Packers running backs did get the ball, they produced at a high level. Aaron Jones, 12 carries, 53 yards, well over four yards per carry. And A.J. Dillon, eight carries for 46 yards, five yards a carry. I mean, they were moving the ball on the ground. I just have no clue why they got away from it. Yeah, they were down 13 to nothing, and it seemed like they needed to move the ball down the field quickly, but with the way the defense was performing, the Packers' offense could have pounded the rock a little more, and I just don't know why LaFleur got away from it. And he admitted it after the game, and to the press this week, he's talked about it. He takes the blame for not helping Jordan Love out by calling some better plays to just move the ball. It was just crazy to see. It's almost like Matt LaFleur just assumed Jordan Love was going to be able to make the adjustments that Aaron makes out there. I mean, at least that's what it seemed like to me. Makes a little sense why Matt LaFleur didn't run the ball with these guys, considering that they were each carrying the ball for well over four yards per carry, and they're dynamic. They're dynamic playmakers, both of them. And... It's becoming a theme here where LaFleur is taking the blame for some bad play calls. I mean, two weeks in a row now, he's admitted that he could have done a better job at calling some plays. So let's see it happen this week against the Seahawks, a game at which I will be attending at Lambeau Field. Talk about that more later. Exciting things coming to the channel. But yeah, obviously the Packers offense was not the same with Jordan Love in there. Obviously, it was way worse than it is with Aaron Rodgers in there. Three-time league MVP, Super Bowl champion Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, it's much better with him in the game. And in the pregame preview leading up to the Chiefs game, I spoke about the Aaron Rodgers situation and what's going on here, especially with the COVID and his McAfee appearance on Friday and the uproar that came after it and how everyone was angry with him about what he said on McAfee and people were on one side or the other and I came on and I said that yeah although I don't agree with everything he said today I still want Aaron Rodgers as the Packers quarterback and I'm happy he's our quarterback and I posted something on Reddit about it actually on game day about how yeah whatever you want to say about Aaron Rodgers he's still our quarterback and we're lucky to have him and that didn't receive the best response back I mean people seem to not agree with me on that but I think after Sunday we could all agree that whatever Aaron Rodgers says now in the past in the present or in the future whatever comes out of Aaron Rodgers mouth no matter how crazy it is I mean no matter how crazy it is the Packers need to give this man whatever he wants. Please just give the man whatever he wants. Keep him around. Extend his contract. 
Let him retire a Green Bay Packer when he is good and ready to retire. Please, good. I know you'll never hear this, um, but if for some reason, Brian Gutenkunz, you come across this weekly cheese episode, please, please give Aaron Rodgers whatever he wants. It'll allow Devontae to be extended. It'll allow everything to just go back to the way it was, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers winning football games without all this craziness surrounding the team because, quite frankly, I cannot handle it anymore. That, not saying Jordan Love can't have a productive career or a good career. What I'm saying is that doesn't matter how good of a career Jordan Love has, it is obvious that the way the Packers team is structured right now, Aaron Rodgers needs to be around because the Super Bowl window is only open as long as Aaron Rodgers is under center. And uh, Jordan Love, I wish him nothing but the best on his career, but I believe it should be elsewhere. I It is... Might be an overreaction to some, but I think a lot of people out there can agree with me when I say that Sunday's performance was underwhelming enough as to where we could finally say, please just give Aaron Rodgers what he wants and let's move on. Just like we're about to move on to the other horrible aspect of the Packers' performance on Sunday against the Chiefs, and that is the special teams. The Packers left six points on the field due to special teams malfunctions. They gave up three points thanks to a special teams malfunction. Should have been, could have been seven. Luckily, the defense stepped up three points due to a special teams malfunction. And if it wasn't for the special team malfunctions, if you can add up all the points the Packers gave up and lost due to these special teams malfunctions, the Green Bay Packers would have won the game by three points. Mason Crosby missed two field goals on the day. The first was because the, the there was a bad snap and then a bad protection and it got blocked. And then the second was just a shank to the left because of a bad snap and a bad hold by Bajorquez. The, the laces were exposed to Mason Crosby. He kicked him right in the laces. Whatever it is, the field goal operation needs to get better. The Packers left six points on the field. On Sunday, they left a multitude of points on the field this season. And quite frankly, it came back to haunt them on Sunday. And it cannot become an issue in a big game, in a playoff game, and late in the season when we're fighting for the first overall seed in the NFC. The Packers cannot afford to lose a game due to a poor field goal operation. And they cannot afford to lose the game due to a muffed punt or malfunction on any other phase of the special teams. On Sunday, there were two malfunctions on punt return. The first one, Malik Taylor, who knows what happened there, but the ball barely touched his foot. It hit his foot. The Chiefs got the ball within the 10-yard line. Luckily, the Packers' defense were able to hold the Chiefs to just three points. And then the second one, Amari Rodgers muffed the punt. He dropped the ball. He was able to fall on it, but the Packers were set up with horrible field position. And it could have been way worse. The Chiefs could have easily recovered that ball. Amari Rodgers barely fell on it. But it needs to clean up. For too many years now, the Packers' special teams has been a point of concern. And yeah, I know it's a lot easier said than done. Special teams is an important part of the game, and some teams are good at it, some teams are bad at it, but it's about time the Packers clean it up 
on the special teams. Mo Drayton's got to get that those units playing better. If Mason Crosby's going to miss a field goal, it's going to be because he missed the field goal, not because the snapper didn't snap the ball well enough or because Bajorquez can't get the laces pointed out or because there's a missed block by Dennis Kelly. I mean, it just cannot happen. And I mean, God forbid the Packers lose another NFC Championship game due to a muffed return. The Bostic conundrum could easily happen again if there's not a secure set of hands back there returning a punt. I mean, come on. Yeah, Bostic didn't muff the punt, but it's the same thing. It's a it's a malfunction on the special teams. And I know I've said malfun- special teams malfunction 105 times in this little rant here, but the Packers cannot afford a special teams malfunction down the road in a big game. We've seen it before. It's crushed our souls before, and it cannot happen again. Special teams needs to clean up their act because they were a huge reason as to why the Packers came up short on Sunday. And with that, let's point our attention to something a little more positive, and let's end this episode of the Weekly Cheese on a high note. And that positive is, without a doubt, this Green Bay Packers defense the defense was absolutely amazing against the Kansas City Chiefs after the game LaFleur said they played at a championship level and he could not have been more accurate in saying so this Packers defense as we've covered in tremendous detail on the weekly cheese this season they've suffered a lot of injuries to start this year and the defense was already diminished coming into the game. Obviously, no Jair, no Zadarius. Kevin King was a question mark coming into Sunday. Kingsley Kiki was ruled out with his concussion. So the Packers were banged up on the defensive side of the ball. And things only got worse as the game started. I mean, Eric Stokes goes down in warm-ups with a knee injury. Thank goodness it doesn't sound like it's anything serious. And before halftime, Kenny Clark goes down. So the Packers, they were banged up. And despite all of this, they held the Chiefs to just one touchdown and 13 points, proving once again that they are truly one of the best and deepest defensive units in the National Football League. The Packers' defensive line, by the by halftime, was a shell of its former self. Kingsley Kiki was out for the game. Dean Lowry was on a a limited snap count with his hamstring injury. And Kenny Clark left the game before the first half came to an end. So for basically the entire second half, the Packers had to rely on Tyler Lancaster and TJ Slayton to take the brunt of the workload. And they played great. TJ Slayton played a career-high 45 snaps, and he did an amazing job in his first real action of his young career. He finished the game with four tackles. He did a great job at absorbing blockers and just getting to the football. He was always around the play. And the energy that he had, it was palpable. Uh, and the reps that he was able to get in on Sunday, is only those reps are only going to help this Packers team moving forward. It was great to see him get in there for 45 snaps. His stamina seemed good. He was playing hard every play. He was showing some attitude. He was celebrating after his tackles. 
and it was great to see T.J. Slayton in there making plays when the team needed him to step up. As a fifth-round pick, couldn't be happier with the production from T.J. Slayton on Sunday against the Chiefs. And who knows? He might have some more reps coming to him in the next couple weeks. Who knows what Kenny's going to be like leading into Sunday's game and the following week. Kingsley Kiki, he's still in the protocol. So it'll be interesting to see. But hey, TJ Slayton, he's a good player. And he had and he showed some promise on Sunday. And Tyler Lancaster, people are talking Tyler Lancaster could have had the best game of his career. It was easily his best game of the season and his most productive game of the season, but it could have been Lancaster's shining moment as a Green Bay Packer. He played 36 snaps. He finished with three tackles and one for a loss, and that tackle for a loss was a thing of beauty. He just shed the blocker and scooped up the back and just put him down for a loss. It was Tyler Lancaster and TJ Slayton getting dirty in the trenches, and they played their asses off, and I could not be happier with the way they performed. And Jack Heflin, shout out to Jack Heflin. I said on the pregame show, Look for Jack Heflin to be in there for a handful of snaps, serving as the Billy Wynn role, coming in to give a guy like Lancaster a break here or there. I mean, hell, everyone needs a break sometimes, especially when you're T.J. Slayton and Tyler Lancaster exerting it all on every play. And Heflin, he did a good job in his first action as a professional football player. Undrafted rookie, played 10 snaps, and he notched himself a tackle. It was an assisted tackle, but hey, he got involved, and it was, I was happy to see him out there. Uh, Feel-good story, hardworking, nice kid, and couldn't be happier for Jack Heflin to get out there and, and contribute in his first career pro football action. The injuries that the defensive line faced, though, it, they negatively affected the Packers' pass rush. It was obvious. Um this season, the Packers' pass rush has been extremely serviceable thanks to the tremendous play of the interior line. Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry have been monsters this season at getting after opposing teams' quarterback and wreaking havoc from the interior. And with those guys being out and then limited like Dean Lowry was on Sunday, the Packers didn't get nearly as much interior pressure as we're accustomed to seeing them get from uh, on a week-to-week basis at this point. I mean, in his 20-some-odd snaps, Dean Lowry did get three pressures, but outside of that, uh, the, the interior of the defensive line just really couldn't get to Pat Mahomes, and, and it makes sense why. Their three best pass-rushing interior linemen were either on a snap, snap limited snap count or they were out in, in its entirety. In that sense, it was a tough day for the defensive line. And the Packers finished with just one sack because of it. They weren't getting the pressure from the inside, and the edge rushers just really couldn't get going. The Packers finished the day with just one sack and 11 pressures as a unit. And Rashawn Gary was really the only edge rusher consistently getting after it. He finished the day with five pressures, three quarterback hits, and a sack. I mean, that's really it in terms of the pass rush and the pressure we were getting on Mahomes. Mahomes was too comfortable in there, and it – it really could have became a problem if not for the tremendous day that the Packers had in the second and third phase of their defense. I mean, the second and third phases of the Packers' defense 
came to play. Devondre Campbell was his usual solid self. Uh, he did have a couple of missed coverages, uh, but he was guarding Travis Kelsey, and that could be expected. I believe Travis Kelsey, when being guarded by a linebacker this season, I believe there's only three or four incompletions his way when he's matched up with a linebacker. And it's not like Devondre got ran up and down the field. He did a good job. It's just a couple of coverages here or there that he missed, and you can't blame him for that. The Chiefs are a high-octane offense, and Travis Kelsey is the best at what he does in the league. So it was to be expected. But luckily for the Packers defense, Chris Barnes and Oren Burks had great games. Chris Barnes had a stellar performance. He was dynamite against the run, and he finished the day with nine tackles, four defensive stops. Five of his tackles were within two yards from the line of scrimmage. And he might have had the play of his career with that devastating tackle in the red zone, saving the first down and forcing the Chiefs to kick a field goal. I mean, who, who was that? Hardman? Williams? I don't remember exactly who it was, but he was about to cross the first down line to gain. And right as he was about to cross, Chris Barnes squared him up and put him on the ground, knocked him out of bounds. And it was a huge hit, huge play, and it saved four points. The Packers only gave up three on that drive, and it was thanks to Chris Barnes and his great play on the sideline. And, and Oren Burks, he made some plays for the second straight week. Last week, he had a great run stop on third and two. And this week, he had two third down stops of his own. The middle linebackers came to play, all three of them. And it was great to see, especially it was great to see a guy like Oren Burks make an impact play and Chris Barnes have such an impactful day as a run stopper. That's exactly what this Packers defense needs. And with Stokes being out, the Packers, they were lucky to have Kevin King back from injury. He and Russell Douglas played every single snap of the game, and they both played well. Russell Douglas did a great job at sticking with Tyreek Hill, and he once again proved that he is more than competent as an NFL starter. He has been nothing but a joy to watch since joining the squad, and the Packers are really lucky to have acquired him from the Cardinals practice squad because without him, who knows how this Packers defense is looking. Who knows? And Kevin King, he had a great game for himself. I mean, it's nice to see considering he probably wouldn't have been out there if Stokes didn't get hurt before the game. But he finished with seven tackles and a pass breakup. The pass breakup, although it's nice to see, it should have been an interception. He completely dropped the ball that Mahomes threw right into his breadbasket, hit him in the numbers. And that was really the first and only chance the Packers defense had all day to pick off Patrick Mahomes. And it did sort of get wasted. Luckily for the Packers, Stokes' injury isn't reported as being anything that serious. And with Jair Alexander still not ready to come back, the Packers do have a major decision on their hands in regards to who, who they will start at corner. But that's a good problem to have. I mean, who knew that Russell Douglas was going to come in and make such an impact? But since he did, the Packers now have three perimeter corners and two spots. So Kevin King, Eric Stokes, Russell Douglas, it'll be interesting to see who gets thrown out there if all three of them are able to go at the same time. But, again, it's a good problem to have 
and it's one that keeps Yadam and Shamar John Charles a little further down the death chart. So that is, without a doubt, good news. And Shannon Sullivan had a decent game. Yeah, he gave up that final completion to Tyreek Hill, but, I mean... Mahomes had so much time to get that ball off. He, Channon did a good job at covering Tyreek Hill for so long. It's only a matter of time with a guy like Tyreek Hill that he's able to break free and get loose. I mean, imagine trying to stay with that guy for more than five seconds. It's damn near impossible. So it's hard to blame Channon Sullivan for that blown coverage. But all in all, the Packers' defense had a great day. The secondary played great. They held the Chiefs' offense to just 13 points. Pat Mahomes possibly had a worse day than Jordan Love had. I mean, Mahomes uh, Mahomes finished with 20 for 37, 166 yards, one touchdown, a 74% passer rating. Their numbers were very similar to one another. And outside of the first drive of the game where the Packers let Travis Kelsey make some plays and find the end zone and the Chiefs were able to drive down the field and score with ease – Packers did a great job of shutting down the Chiefs' playmakers. Tyreek Hill finished with just four catches and 37 yards, which is just evidence of how well the Packers' secondary played, especially on a night where the pass rush was non-existent. The Packers' defense really is one of the best in the league through the first nine games of the year, and obviously it will only get better as time goes on. They continue to grow chemistry with one another, and they get back guys like Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith, who are both rumored to be coming back sometime soon. And when they're back, this Packers defense is going to be unreal. That's going to do it for this episode of the Weekly Cheese. But before we get out of here, a couple things to talk about this weekend. I'm heading out with the family. I'm heading out to Green Bay. I'm going to be at the Packers-Seahawks game on Sunday. Can't wait. Got great seats. So pumped for that. Uh, don't think there's going to be a pregame episode this week. Since I'll be out there, won't be in the studio. But with that being said, I will be getting footage of my trip out there. I'm heading out tomorrow morning. Be there till Monday. I'm going to get some footage. Going to put together a little video of me at Lambeau. I might do a report. Live outside of Lambeau Field on Saturday night. Keep an eye out for that. And keep an eye out for the Wisconsin trip footage coming your way next week. I'll talk to you all next week. Hey, big game this weekend. Hopefully Aaron will be back. He should be. Some rumblings today about Odell Beckham. Perhaps he'll be acquired to the team. A lot to look forward to for this Packers team moving forward. We're more than halfway done with the season, and the fun is just getting started for the Packers. Greatness is on its way this year. I'm pumped for this weekend. I'll be repping the Runyon Jr. jersey. I got all the jerseys. I'll be walking around Lambeau Field swagged out head to toe. Maybe I'll do some sideline guy on the – so, Billy on the street style content. Who knows? Uh, who knows? I'm going to have my phone with me. I'll be recording some footage. Keep an eye out for that. I'll talk to you all next week. As always, remember, the cheese stands alone. And go Pack Go. Talk to you all next week. Super.